verse 4. Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled, and it came to pass as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. You may be seated tonight. I will endeavor to be very short. Before I get started, I would like to say I appreciate the opportunity to be up here and very grateful for Bishop and Brother Bradford's leadership. I'm very grateful for the camaraderie with the men of God on the platform. I love all of you. I want to talk to you for a very short moment about broken but not useless. Read this passage of scripture and Brother Nate happened to use this in a word shot recently and in preparing for tonight, this is about my third choice, and um, I just felt it was proper tonight. The news came of Saul and Jonathan's death, and the nurse picked up a child and began to flee from the area she was in, and she picked up this five-year-old child, and she dropped him, and the Bible says that he was lame in his feet from this time forward. And in reading this story in the Bible and, and just thinking about the ramifications of what can happen to a person in this type of situation and trying to connect that with what can happen in the life of someone spiritually and, and even physically and mentally, there are just so many things that can happen. And as Brother Nate very well stated the other night, if you have a five-year-old, you understand that that child is running and jumping and skipping and doing all the things it does, and all of a sudden it's been... Its mobility has been taken away from it, and there is going to be a certain amount of frustration on the mind of a five-year-old that can't do the things that he once did, and there's going to be a frustration on the mind of the parents in trying to deal with this, and sometimes there are things that take place in the, in the life of someone, and we look for someone to blame, and we begin to point fingers, and too many times we point fingers at the wrong people, and it's because of you, and it's because of this situation, when really it goes farther back to a situation that was not part of something that they can control, and people contribute to situations that lead us astray a lot of times, but because of the death of Saul, and because the nurse, upon hearing of the the death of Saul and Jonathan, and because of her haste and because of her discombobulation, if you want to use that word, all of a sudden this, this child was, every bit of mobility was taken from him and he could no longer do what he wanted to do. He used to sit at the king's table. He used to enjoy everything that the king had to offer in the palace. And as a young child, I remember hearing a message by... Brother Jeff Arnold that was titled, I am not an Egyptian. He's very colorful. And he said he was walked in in his brand new Adidas tennis shoes and he was popping his chew gum. And he began to talk. He brought all this lingo to the 80s when I was just a young, young boy. And it was exciting to hear the story that he told. But if I could for just a moment let you understand that he was used to being in the king's palace. He was used to certain things. There was, there was some niceties of life that he was afforded, and he enjoyed those things. And all of a sudden, 
grandpa was no longer king and all of a sudden my dad who was probably the next in line was not around and I'm just relegated to sit in a chair somewhere in a corner because I can't run and jump. I can't do the things that other people are doing. I'm sure there's some frustration on his part. There was maybe some depression on his part because somebody did this to me. If only you would understand that if grandpa and dad wouldn't have been in the place they were, then they would have not been killed. And if, 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 and out of frustration, the brokenness begins to set in and they understand that I'm just a broken individual. And as humans, we are susceptible to shifting blame to others for our misfortune. And sometimes it does. It is something of our own doing. But there are sometimes that things just happen in life. There are things that, that just happen sometimes. And, and it wasn't that somebody picked us and said, I want to hurt you today. It just happened that way. And sometimes we have to break the habit of of lashing out at others. Sometimes we have to get beyond that and understand the person sitting next to me was not the one that hurt me. The person sitting next to me was not the one that put me in this position. And I may never be able to get back to that person to blame that person. So what do I do? I come to the house of God and I remember a certain situation in my life and I walked into the old prayer room back here. And I remember walking into the prayer room and church was just about to start, but I had to hit the prayer room. And nobody was in there. And I remember getting down into a chair and I shoved my face as far back as it would go and I began to weep and to make noises. There was no words that would come because I was so hurt and so angry because of what had transpired in my life. And God began to move and I felt like all of heaven came down that night in the prayer room, just a few short minutes with the master. And, and I felt like I should open my Bible. And I opened my Bible to a psalm, and I can't go to it. I, 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 don't, I don't know where it's at. I've tried to find it. But for that moment, God gave me something that was like salve that he put on a wound. And I began to heal in the very moment because I went to a God that says, I can be all things to you. And I can be the healing that you need. I can be the mender for you. I can be all of that you need if you'll just come and talk to me there is restoration for those who have experienced being dropped second Samuel tells us that chapter 9 verse 13 so Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet understand that all of a sudden David heard of Mephibosheth is there still somebody of the house of Saul and they said oh you've got to understand that there is there's a little boy, but he's lame. And he goes, I, I want to see him. And he brought him to him. And he, he looked at him. And he goes, I want you to understand something. I know because of life some things have happened in your life. I know because of, of hurts that you're standing here in, the, in, in a different position completely. And you, you're sitting here understanding that you can never be the man that you thought you were going to be. But I can tell you, you're never going to want for food. Because you'll always be at the king's table. You know what was beautiful about that to me, that story, is when he rolled himself up behind the table and his legs went under the table, when everybody looked, they could not see the brokenness of Mephibosheth. They could not see how broken he was because his legs were under the table. And when we come to the house of God, can I tell you, when you pull up to the master's table, nobody knows how broken you are because he covers that with his blood. He covers it with his blood. So it was a wonderful thing for Mephibosheth to come. And the 
the houses, the lands, that everything that was Saul's. He goes, you're going to have that. It's going to be returned unto you. You're going to be blessed. There's going to be things that happen. Why? Not because he was broken. Not just because he was broken, but because David looked at something and said, this needs to be fixed. This, this, is, a, this is something that I don't like to look at anymore. I, I had too much understanding of who Saul was, and I had respect for the, this man that was the king of Israel, and I'm going to restore him. There is restoration for those that have been dropped. Luke chapter 9 and verse 16 very neat passage of scripture. And he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and break and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. They're standing in a place where people need to eat. They've listened to the master. They've, they've heard the word. They've heard the parables. And everybody's hungry, and, and they're saying, you know, we need to leave, let them go. They, they need to go eat, Master. And he says, well, what do we have here? <laughs> There's not much. We have a little lunchbox that a boy brought. And, and Jesus is looking at him thinking, what's much? What's so little in, in your book? I mean, you do know who, who I am. And he said, well, it's just a little lunch. It's five loaves and two fish. He said, bring it to me. So... Wonderful, the miracle that took place. And to think that when they got done, they, they took up 12 baskets full. And I don't know who took them home. I don't know if that was disciples that they all got to take one home. And Jesus was saying, eat on that for a week. Watch that replenish in the pantry. I don't know who got those. But it's not just the miracle that, that draws me to this story. Because the Bible says that he took the five loaves and he looked up to heaven. And he blessed, and then he break. See, sometimes we're broken because there is no reason whatsoever. It just happens. It's life. But there are some times that we come before God, and he says, before I can do anything with you, I have to break you. And he looks up to heaven, and he blesses the food and he breaks the food and as he breaks the food then he begins to pull give this to that crowd and give this to that crowd and I could see as the disciples eyes got bigger and bigger and he just kept breaking off and he kept breaking off and he kept giving to people and there's such a wonderful story here because we understand that there are times that we want to be more than we are in fact I do I'll be honest. There's so many times that I come and say, God, I'm nowhere near where I want to be. And I find myself in this place recently. I like coming here. The light's on. The music's on. And more times than not, I sit right or I kneel right where Brother Garrett is sitting. And before I can even get to prayer, I begin to weep because I feel like I'm nowhere near I need to be. But I feel so near to the master right here and I, I want to feel his presence and I understand that there's times in my life that God says, I would love to do more with you, but I still have to break you. I still have to take some pieces of you off because I put you on the potter's wheel and there's a hard spot. And I have turned and turned and turned and I can't do anything with that. So it, it gets thrown out. And, and I, I realize that God is trying to do something in my life. And I realize at that moment that 
I'm trying to be all I can be and I'm trying to extend myself to the point that I'm in his will and he says if you'll just keep talking to me if you'll just keep coming back to this place I can do something but if you want to be used in the kingdom of God sometimes I'm going to have to take some things from you and I'm going to have to break you mean to use myself for an example at all but as a young boy I was exposed to some things that no young boy should be exposed to and it tried to shape who I was mentally and spiritually and there have been times as a in my 20s 30s now I'm in my 40s Barely. Got a few years left. I I come to God and I get an altar somewhere, Bishop, and I say, God, you can't use me. I'm too broken. You can't use this vessel. I'm too broken. You can't do anything with this vessel because I'm too broken. I've seen too much in life. been so much so there have been times I've just wanted to throw in the towel and say I could never be a minister of the gospel. I could never teach. I could never witness. I could never do enough. I can't go back and change that. It happened. I can't go back and point a finger at anybody now because it, it's, it's too late. I can't say they did this or they brought this to me. And it affected my desire to be a minister deeply. I remember there were two things I didn't want to be. And if you thought just a little bit, you'd probably know exactly what, I, what it is. But I didn't want to be a preacher and I didn't want to be a painter. And I went back to an altar somewhere over and over and over. And I kept saying, one time I remember I was a teenager and I said, God, why can't I be like the men in the Bible? You know, they're so powerful. And God said, why don't you read it again? And I began to read how David failed. I said, wow, I'm a little like David. I'm a little like David. I, I fail and I can get back up and I can go on and ask for forgiveness. And God says, yes, you can be a man after my own heart. Just follow the example. Well, God, how, why can't I be like Apostle Paul, well, you could be like Apostle Paul, but, I mean, have you killed anybody? Have you held the coats of anybody that killed somebody? No, you haven't done that. And so I began to get some excitement in a teenage mind to understand that sometimes we look at what is, looks so beautiful in the, in the Scriptures and God's trying to expose some things and say, you're just seeing the good things and you're just seeing the wonderful things that happen, but I'm trying to show you from the very beginning that there was a redemption plan and everybody's going to be imperfect. But I can redeem them and I can do something with them. I still have to listen to the enemy. But when I listen to the enemy, sometimes I have to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. It says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? 
Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But ye are washed. And I like this part because about this time I feel a little bit of freedom in the Holy Ghost. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Can I tell you that you don't have to stay broken if you're broken today. You don't have to be one that stays dropped somewhere. You don't have to be the person that stays broken forever. You can come to an altar and God can do something with you. I realize that there may have been some mistakes made in my life, but I also realize that I had a sovereign God that I went to, and he said I went to the cross for all of that. I know a God that has, that has shed blood for all of those problems, and I can go to him on a daily basis and say, God, forgive me of my sin if I've done it consciously or unconsciously. Forgiveness is something that's a wonderful thing that we don't take advantage of too many times. There's nothing wrong with getting up in the morning and asking God to forgive you and saying, you know what, I want this day to be dedicated unto you today, God. I want to draw closer to you today, God. Because when that happens, all of a sudden we find those moments where weakness is trying to break in to, to our, our, our spirit and our, our flesh is saying, you know what, I, I'm, I'm contrary to this today. And God says, you know what, we had a little bit of talk. I'll help you out a little bit. As the musicians come. I will take my punishment later. I got married in a little over three years after marriage. We had two children. My wife was dealing with some things. I never knew what postpartum depression was. Somebody said something about it, and I was like, huh? I don't know if you remember this, Brother Frost, but we're having church in the gym, and she came to you one night. She said, I need to talk to you. And Brother Frost, the one that would never put anybody off, that would never say, I'm too busy. You walked away. You said, hold on just a minute. I don't know why, but I'll talk to you later. The man that never did that. I remember coming home from work, Sister Williams working for Brother Jim. I walk in the door and hear my wife on the side of the bed crying out to God. praying wife little did I know that she was broken she couldn't feel God not for a month probably well over a year maybe closer to two there was a few times that she would just say here's the kids I gotta go I gotta get out of the house and she'd go get a breath of fresh air and come back but week after week and month after month I would come in and my wife laying on the side of the bed two babies asleep praying 
speaking in tongues. I'll never forget that night. Brother Sam Emery was preaching revival here, and I had to be out of town working. She didn't call and tell me. I believe it was a Thursday night, Friday. I came home from work Monday through Friday. And when I walked up the sidewalk, <laughs> I walked up the sidewalk to a different person that day. Because out of all of the brokenness, God began to heal the heart of someone that says, I don't know what else to do but to keep praying because I don't know what I feel. I just know that I don't feel close to him and I want to be close to him. And she relayed the story and I sat in the room and cried. And I can tell you that through the years, almost 26, she's never stopped praying. Oh, there's been frustration. There's been moments where we thought we were broken beyond repair. Things happen. But God was faithful. And Brother Frost, I don't know if you remember this. The way I remember the story, you walked up and said, I knew. I don't know how, but I knew. And Brother Emery preached a message about God breaking us to use us. grandmother passed away as we stand in 1996 right before Brooke was born and found in the pages of her Bible was this poem the master was searching for a vessel to use on the shelf there were many which one would he choose take me cried the gold one I'm shiny and bright I'm of great value and I do things just right. My beauty and luster will outshine the rest and for someone like you, Master, gold would be best. Master passed on with no word at all. He looked at a silver urn, narrow and tall. I'll serve you, dear Master. I'll pour out your wine and I'll be at your table whenever you dine. My lines are so graceful, my car carving so true and my silver will always compliment you. Unheeding, the master passed on to the brass. It was wide-mouthed and shallow and polished like glass. Here, here, cried the vessel, I know I will do. Place me on your table for all men to view. Look at me, called the goblet of crystal so clear. My transparency shows my contents so dear. Though fragile am I, I will serve you with pride, and I'm sure I'll be happy in your house to abide. The master came next to a vessel of wood, polished and carved, it solidly stood. You may use me, dear master, the wooden bowl said, but I'd rather you use me for fruit, not for bread. And the master looked down and saw a vessel of clay, empty and broken, it helplessly lay. No hope had the vessel that the master might choose to cleanse and make holes to feel and to use. Ah, this is the vessel I've been hoping to find. I will mend and use it and make it all mine. I need not the vessel with pride of itself, nor the one who is narrow narrow to sit on the shelf nor the one who is big mouth and shallow and loud nor one who displays his contents so proud not the one who thinks he can do all things just right but this plain earthy vessel filled with my power and might and gently he lifted the vessel of clay mended and cleansed it and filled
fulfilled it that day. Spoke to it kindly. There's work you must do. Just pour out to others as I pour into you. Make me broken so I can be healed. Cause I'm so callous and now I can't feel. I want to run to you. 